Hey there, my name's Oshin Nunny and welcome to Audio Talks, presented to you by Harman. And in this episode, I'm thrilled to be joined by Zylo Aria, who is a musician, songwriter, engineer and producer, and also founder of Music Production for Women. Welcome to the podcast, Zylo. Hello, thank you for having me. Thank you so much for joining us. Okay, before we get into the amazing work of Music Production for Women, I would love to know a bit more about your own path to where you are today. Talk to us a bit about your journey as a singer, a songwriter, musician and producer. Sure thing. So I started singing, I guess, as as long as I can remember. I can't really remember when that started, but it was my grandmother who got, kind of got me into that and she is a vocalist herself. Yeah, I kind of started singing at a young age and then started writing songs roughly, I think I was about 12 years old, and I was very keen to see what was written in, in kind of a lyrical and melodic format to to transform that into a song that I could share with with people. And in the high school that I was studying at, there were a couple of other people that were kind of learning to produce as I was learning to write uh, songs as well. And we started working together and that's how I, I started creating songs that I had written and turning them into these produced songs. And, and it started there and, and then I ended up continuing to, to write music. And because it was a little bit, maybe, I don't know if we can say not acceptable, but with my family, maybe learning music and going down that path maybe would have made them a bit less comfortable. So I ended up taking a more traditional learning pathway of um, studying accountancy. So Mm. I ended up going to university for accounting and I, I had music going on throughout that time and making music and playing gigs and, and uh, had a band for a while as well. And, um, and then I ended up getting a job after that and working in the corporate field and in the, in the background, as I mentioned, kept making music. And I was working with other producers during this whole time. And um, in that time, I was also in a position where I was getting a little bit frustrated that situations that I ended up in with these kind of artist and producer relationships weren't always the most conducive to music making. And sometimes I ended up in positions that I was a bit uncomfortable in, but anyway, all of this was going on. I was in this corporate job and I uh, got to a point where I realized I'm quite unhappy in this corporate job. It feels very, very unlike me. And with my music making as well, I felt so under someone else's control because there was something I wanted to do with my music, what I was kind of uh, ending up with after the production wasn't exactly aligned with what I was hearing and also felt like I was being put in situations where I felt a little bit powerless and in in some situations uh, quite uncomfortable. Mm. Uh, And then I decided to take some big decisions uh, in my life and decided to quit my job, move to another country and yeah, and then moved to the UK where I ended up also starting to produce for myself. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. And where has this been all my life? And at the same time, I was reflecting on that whole process. And Mm. uh, for me, small business has always been really interesting and something that I have been learning about in the background without having a business for a long time. But somehow the idea for 
music production for women kind of popped into my mind when I was thinking about my journey through this whole process and what could have made it much easier. Uh, and then I ended up starting this business, which is now music production for women. And I absolutely love, 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 um, working on it and, uh, and running it. Oh, fantastic. Well, that's great. Well, it seems like, you know, you've been on quite the journey. You've made some big changes and really you took some very brave decisions, but they were kind of inspired, I guess, by some frustration and, you know, hitting some barriers in the music industry and, you know, with your collaborators, they weren't quite tuned in to helping you realise your vision and you kind of needed to get that vocabulary yourself. So what was your path towards being self-sufficient in how you expressed yourself in music production? Oh, it's a good question, Ashina, and I feel like a lot of these decisions have come from a point of pain, which uh, at that time it was quite frustrating, but now I'm kind of grateful for the way it happened because maybe I wouldn't have taken these decisions otherwise. Yeah. But um, I remember the day that I decided I'm never working with another producer again, <laughs> you know, not so intensely. That sounds quite decisive, but there was a particular day where I just realized I'm just being taken for a ride and I just don't want to go through this anymore. And at that point, I didn't really have a huge interest in producing for myself. It was just out of frustration of not being in these situations anymore that I felt like I had to take this into my own hands. But then when I eventually started creating music that I liked, then I was just thinking this is incredible. But that journey itself felt quite lonely and I Mm. felt like I was trying to work this out on my own and then went to a few different forums and things and often you'd very much feel like the odd person out. And um, I remember being in a room where it, it was some sort of producer forum and the person in the front asked after doing a little presentation, like, do you have any questions? And I just remember thinking, I have so many questions, but I don't want to be like the silly girl in the room asking all these questions. So I'll just sit here quietly. <laughs> oh, wow. um, so, and then those things kind of made me even more reclusive in my learning journey because I just didn't want to feel so odd in the room. Um, but, uh, but you know, it, it does have a happy ending. It got to a point where I was making music that I loved and I was thinking surely there can be a, a better way for, for women to do this and, and go through this process. That's, you know, a very vivid occasion where you're in the room, you've got so many questions, but the feeling is that it's not the right place to ask them, or perhaps you don't belong there in a way. That thing of imposter syndrome that uh, we'll come to again a little bit later. But do you think there is sexism, misogyny, discrimination, conscious or unconscious in the music industry? I mean, you've obviously experienced it and it's been very painful, but it's led you to create music production for women. But what's your kind of scorecard for the music industry right now? hundred percent it exists like it's and it's just very sad actually that it is 2023 and as much as I think it's important to talk about it I'm also I talk about it so much and I can't wait for the day where we don't have to talk about this anymore you know um but it it does present itself in so many different ways and Mm. it's really really sad to see especially 
coming from an accounting field or in the corporate space, which honestly was way, way better to a point where I can't even compare the two. Like the experiences that I would come across in the music industry would just not be okay, like in any other industry. But I think one of the big issues is that there's no HR you can call and say, uh, this just happened and I feel really, really uncomfortable Can someone help me? Uh, Which is one of the big problems, I think, as well. Yeah. Oh, wow. And, you know, in your conversations with women who are looking to get into music production, are these kind of uncomfortable experiences very commonplace for particularly young women coming into the industry? Yeah, so, so much so. And I think with me as well, and, and Often when women don't have a community to talk about these things, um, you can somehow, and I don't know why we do this, but justify why it is that way and think, oh, maybe Mm. I did something wrong or maybe I've put myself in this position somehow um, and and make it your fault. I don't know why why we do that. But especially now running MPW and hearing about this, like I just come across these stories every day, literally, which makes you realize how prevalent it is. And it's, it's not your fault. <laughs> you know, it is the industry that has to change. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I completely agree. We had a, a great podcast recording with uh, an organization called soundgirls.org a few series ago. And that was, uh, again, eye-opening in terms of the prevalence of, mm. uh, you know, bias, sexism, discrimination, and spaces where unlike accounting in the corporate world, as you said, you know, music is some light years behind in many ways. Mm. But this brings us on to you founded Music Production for Women. Uh, And talk to us a bit about why you started it in particular. You were doing a lot of research, connecting, and this feels like the idea to bring everyone together and really give people an on-ramp. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, one thing that you mentioned there, uh, Sheen, about research, I feel like that was one thing that I didn't really do. Like I just thought of the idea and I thought, (laughs) you know what, this would have helped me, so I'm right. going to do it. Yeah. <laughs> and in hindsight, maybe I should have uh, done a bit more research of, of like viability of business and things like that, but <laughs> that didn't exactly happen. Um, yeah. But yeah, just kind of reflecting on my journey in, in producing, I was trying to think what would have helped me to uh, to get there more quickly and, and feel more comfortable during the process as well. And it yeah. came down to three main things. And one of them was having some sort of community where you don't feel like the odd person out all the time, where mm. you feel comfortable to ask the questions that you want to ask and feel supported and encouraged in that space as well. Yeah. Um, so a safe space, if we want to call it that. And the second one was having content created with women in mind as a consumer of it. Cause I think a lot of the time, I don't think that that is how it is. Like when you go and search for something on YouTube around production, you can kind of guess what the person is going to look like that's making that piece of content. And, and there's nothing wrong with that. But when everyone looks like that, then I think sometimes the language that's used and how things are spoken about can have a bit of a bro culture around them as well. And, and that can be a little bit alienating for maybe women and non-gender conforming people to have all the content created with that sort of language as well. So, so yeah, so that around the content and then the last thing around having role models that you can see yourself in as well. And I, I think there's so much 
in that saying of you can't be what you can't see. And I didn't realize that until I spent some time reflecting on it. And because I actually found old things that I'd produced from when I was like 14, 15. And in my mind, the language in my you know, in my brain at that time was like, this is just a demo and I'm going to give it to the real producer to produce, who was my friend who'd been producing for like six months longer than I had. But that made more sense to me in my mind that that person could be a producer than me. Um, So I just left it for years and years and only came back to it at that frustration point where I Mm. I realized I have to do this. And, uh, and I was thinking, I wish I stuck with that a bit and stayed with it at that time. And who knows where I would have been now, but yeah, so that's around the role models. And and I think having that would have allowed me maybe from an early age to think this is something I can do as well. So it was those three things that I was thinking if there was some community or solution that can put those three things together around content with women in mind, uh, role models and a safe space to learn in, then that would have really helped me. And then therefore, hopefully it can help uh, other women in a similar position. Oh, for sure. Well, that's wonderful. I mean, I'm so happy you kind of had that very positive outcome from quite a frustrating and painful journey. It's brilliant. And you're absolutely helping other creatives not have quite as frustrating or painful a journey and, you know, really helping them get to where they need to be and dispensing with a lot of barriers that really shouldn't be there in the first place. But talk to us a bit about what music production for women is today. I mean, how many people are you reaching? What kind of activities do you provide? And uh, what should people know about MPW? We do one main thing throughout the year, which is our one year Master Your Music programme. And that starts from February and goes till February as well. And um, with these students, we work very closely with them and we have weekly masterclasses uh, and like monthly mentoring sessions. We invite people from the industry to give them feedback on their music. And it's quite an intensive program without it being a part-time or full-time study um, because, again, I wanted it to be the program that I wish existed, which would have worked around the lifestyle that I had at the time, which was working full-time. So I didn't really uh, have the capacity to be leaving work and uh, enrolling into like a full-time degree or something like that. So I wanted something to work around my schedule. So It is that and we go through lots of different topics that we know that independent artists are going to need, not only to produce and mix high quality music, but also looking at their music as a business and finding ways to market the product that they create. How do they actually um, find their audience, create a brand and a little bit on planning and organization as well, because you are running a small business as an artist really, and to, to approach it that way as well. So that's our one year program and we have intakes a couple of times a year. And, uh, it was, it's really lovely. The last two years we've kind of set a quota and it's ended up being, um, more people than that, that have been interested. So that's been really exciting to see it grow every year as well. So outside of that though, we do lots of different free events throughout the year. So we had one in January and this is 
it's kind of like our open day, but it's also for us a resource that we want to keep available for anyone that maybe can't study with us uh, for the year or doesn't have the means to. Um, and we try to make this as content packed, um, as we can. And we have our incredible teachers come on for the day as well to, to give some mini, mini lessons throughout that day. And also has a networking aspect as well, which we have people from all over the world join these events as well. And we've had some really good feedback in these networking, um, little breakout sessions that we do that people have met people from so many different countries. And some people have kind of become their own accountability buddies through there or collaborations have come out of them as well which has been really really fun and exciting to hear oh that's fantastic i I love that and in fact our show co-producer miriam attended one of your workshops in january and was speaking very highly of the content she found it really inspiring and useful and there were some actionable takeaways there uh you know it wasn't uh, by any stretch of the imagination a brochure for something else it was self-contained it was actually useful and people left feeling inspired so that does sound absolutely brilliant so Zido tell me a bit about like how many people now have been alumni of uh, music production for women so the Master of Music program um, kicked off last year. So last year was the first year that we did that and we set a target of 25 students. So we had 25 last year. This year we set a target of 50. So we have 50 students this year and next year we're looking to increase that to 100. So it's still quite a new program. Before that we were doing some very short courses and we had a few people coming on board for different courses here and there. But I think this is a more complete program. So it is still quite new from the uh, perspective of alumni, but I'm very, very excited to see what uh, what they come up with in the years to come as well. And, and we uh, do keep in touch with them um, after they finish the program as well. So, uh, so yeah, so that, uh, that will be exciting to see in years to come. You're talking about the main course there, but in terms of all of the free events and the workshops, the networking, how many people would have been involved in that over the past couple of years, would you say? We do these big events and we did I think three or four last year and we did one live event in in London as well which we had 200 people at but the online events you know we have five six hundred sometimes at these events so it's really great to feel the energy of so many people in in these events as well and sometimes I think it's it's hard to have that same connected feeling in an online space but somehow I don't know if it's with the the people that end up coming to our events or something but I feel like I can feel it throughout the the web connection (laughs) Um, but it's great to have that many people and and we love doing the live events and we'll have another one in July in London as well which will be fun. Oh, fantastic. Okay, watch this space. And listeners, we will, of course, be linking to MPW's website in the show notes. So please do register, sign up for the email updates, and uh, hopefully some of you can make your way along to the events in person. But uh, Zylo, I wanted to come back to that moment when you went to an event, there was a producer there, and I said, any questions? And you had tons of questions, but you felt it wasn't your place somehow, or it was some kind of a mental block, which was I think not an uncommon occurrence by any stretch of the imagination. And uh, in fact, earlier on this year, some brilliant individuals in the UK, namely Vic Bain, Melinda Kelly, Nadia Khan and Vanessa Threadgold, they gave evidence to the UK government around misogyny in music. And one of the most memorable statements uh, from Khan for me was, we talk a lot about women in the music industry lacking confidence or imposter syndrome. The way I see it, the imposter syndrome is created by the systems. Uh, 
that you don't feel welcome to go into these rooms. And that kind of sums up the experience that you had. Now, there's a lot of great organisations out there like the F-List for Music, Safe Gigs for Women, Women in Control, soundgirls.org, phenomenal organisations. Do you see your work at Music Production for Women dovetailing in with these other organisations at all? Definitely, definitely. And I think it's so great and so important that there are so many of us in this space, but tackling this issue in such different ways, because it is such a big issue with kind of multifaceted problems that need specific solutions, which I think would be very hard for one organization to do all of these things. So like Vic Bain with the F list, like always the thing that comes up is, oh, we don't know any women in this space, so we're just not booking them or something like that. Mm. And that solution of the F list is a great one to combat that. And in the live space, you know, you hear lots of really kind of sad stories of women on stage and how they're treated Mm. in these spaces as well. So having an organization looking at these live spaces and and creating a safe space for women to uh, perform in is again, so, so important as well. And, uh, and we are looking at things from a production perspective as well. And, we are giving people technical knowledge around production, but a lot of what we do as well, and if you're on our mailing list, perhaps this might be clear as well, a lot of it is around building your own confidence and self-worth as well, which I know was the first part of what you mentioned. But I think that also comes hand in hand with the industry also supporting women to to get into this space and feeling comfortable to do that. But yeah, I think it's so, so great that we have so many different organizations uh, tackling this uh, in their own way. And we um, we need to help each other in this space as well. And, and it's great for all of us to be chatting once in a while, which we do try to do uh, from time to time. Awesome. That's music to my ears. So this is really about building a healthy and diverse music industry ecosystem. And, you know, as we Mm -hmm. mentioned before, we were talking about accountancy even and a lot of non-music businesses, they really do get why diversity equals innovation equals sustainability. It's like Mm. without diverse viewpoints around the boardroom, you are absolutely going to fall over something. You know, if we don't have equitable on-ramps to the right positions at every level of the music industry, it's sort of doomed by design. The music industry can feel slow by comparison to other industries in terms of DEI initiatives. Where would you like to see the music business in five years' time, Zyla? Oh, I mean, one thing that I mentioned earlier uh, in the episode, Machine, uh, is uh, like I would love for us to not have to talk about this in the future. Like I would love for everyone to just feel comfortable, like, you know, to, to yeah. not think about, oh, am I going to be safe going into this studio where it's only me and a producer? I haven't met them and they've asked me to come at a weird time. Like, is that okay? Mm. All of these things are going through your mind to, to not have that and to just be able to do your job and do the thing that you love, which is be creative. And um, yeah. I was actually thinking, why is it that it's like this in the industry. And and I wonder if one of the things is that the product that you have, which is music, is such a personal thing, you know, like, for example, if I'm going to work as an accountant, I 
am there to do my professional job, which is, you know, do a few things around spreadsheets and all of that stuff. And I can leave all the personal stuff that I have going on at home. But with music, your personal stuff is the art, you know, is the thing that you're creating. And I think sometimes when you're in a a space and you're kind of opening up about all of these personal things with someone else, um, I don't know, sometimes maybe people feel like there are no boundaries or something like that. I wonder if that's a part of it as well, but yeah, it would be great if everyone can just be respectful of each other and, uh, and kind of treat the art as uh, what it is. And yeah, just, just allow everyone to, to have a good experience at the end of it. Absolutely. I could not agree with you more. I I hope uh, we're having a different conversation in five years time, for sure. One of my business heroes, Cindy Gallup, had some great advice from men who are looking to counterbalance the baked in lack of diversity in some industries. She was talking about the advertising and tech industry. Uh, She said, don't just become an ally or a mentor for women, become a champion for women. And she's got a great blog post about that. I think we'll we'll link to that in the show notes as well. Um, Zido, what advice would you have for men in the music business and indeed to any of our listeners to help make it a more welcoming, equitable and diverse environment for women. I think I need to read that blog post as well, actually, because <laughs> right. this question does uh, does come up a lot. But um, yeah. I think like when women have this conversation often it ends up being two other women as well. And that's not really helping the situation. And sometimes I feel like when you're having this conversation with men, they can sort of switch off a little bit or just kind of roll their eyes and think, oh, here we go. Here's some more complaining or something like that. Um, But really to try and understand, even if you can't yourself, because I, I think a lot of men probably can't understand that like as a woman going into a room, like you are thinking about your safety a Mm. lot of the time, you know, like who else is there? What, what is their agenda? Which I think men just don't have to think about it. And that, that is a reality really. But, um, even having some, a woman that is, you know, someone you love, whether it's a sister or a mom or someone in your family, like think about them in that position. If they are made to feel really uncomfortable in these situations, like how would you feel then? Like, do you think it's okay that, you know, you go into a session and someone just calls you babe for the whole session? Like, would you, do you think it's okay that someone in your family, that's how they're treated? uh, And, you know, and then if you think it's not, then maybe just realize that this is a real situation and to give some importance to it as well. And maybe if you see that, then call it out as well, because unfortunately it has more weight when a man says it to another man than when a woman says, Hey, like, this is not okay. Um, so if you see that, just say, Hey man, you know, I saw this happen and Maybe it's just not that cool. (laughs) And, uh, and yeah, and that will really, really help the situation. Oh, fantastic advice there. Thank you. Absolutely. All the men listening, I hope you're listening well. If we all decided to do a bit of that, how different could the music industry be in a very short amount of time? So different. Um, So, Zylo, is there one question that a lot of your students ask you again and again? Is there like the biggest question that you get asked at MPW? Oh, I don't know if there's the biggest question, but one question 
or maybe it's more of a statement is that, oh, I can't produce music because I don't have enough gear or something like that. Or um, Mm. can I produce music if I don't have a a studio or something like that? And this is something that, you know, we, we created like a getting started checklist around this because we, we get this uh, quite often. And the answer to that is that you really, really don't like if you have a laptop, some headphones and some sort of production software, like you have everything you need to get started and you can add things from there as you, uh, as you go, which I would recommend rather than going out and spending a bunch of money on things that you later realize you don't need. So just starting really small and adding uh, as you go and and you'll be totally fine. And, and I think it's better to start with uh, equipment that is, is not super expensive or that has like 101 features that uh, is going to maybe overwhelm you more than inspire you as well. So uh, you can upgrade as you go as well. Strong agree. That's absolutely great advice. You know, with the technology baked into laptops these days, it's unbelievable. Uh, I speak as somebody who used music tech back in the 90s and it was very different, I can tell you. Yes, we had, uh, <laughs> we had floppy disks that uh, stored a, a, a mind-blowing two megabytes of data. Yes, uh, oh things took a lot longer to, to get moving back then. Um, so, Zylo, <laughs> t- tell us a bit about how people can find out more about your work. We're obviously going to link in the show notes, but uh, if there was a website that you'd like to direct everyone to, what would it be? Sure. So just musicproductionforwomen.com. So all in one word. And if we have any free events coming up, then that is usually on the homepage. But uh, if you want to really stay ahead of it, then you can join our mailing list as well. And there's a link to that on our homepage as well. And we'll keep you up to date. And, uh, and yeah, if anyone needs any help, then please get in touch with us as well. You can book a little chat with me as well if you want to. And I would love to hear you and and to uh, help you uh, get started because the first couple of steps are always the hardest, but I promise if you stick with it, then it gets easier as you go. Fabulous. What a wonderful invitation to our listeners. I hope many of you do drop Zylo a line and find them via their website and sign up to their email list. And um, Zylo, my goodness, time flies when you're having fun. So we've actually reached the last question uh, that I like to ask all of our VIP guests, and that is to add a track or two to our Tidal playlist. And these can totally be your own tracks. Oh, lovely. Okay, sure. So I... Okay. I'll mention two tracks. One is called My Bandage and this track is very special to me. It's actually about a friend of mine who who passed away very suddenly um, a few years ago. And it was actually because of her that I started MPW because these kind of events in your life, I think, really give you a big reality check on the fact that you, if there's something you want to do, don't put it off because that time that you put it off to might not be there at all. So, um, uh, so yeah, that's a really special, um, song for me. Mm. And, uh, and the other song is called think about yesterday. And, um, that one was something that I wasn't really expecting to happen. It's quite an acoustic song and I have a lot of production going on in my music, which I enjoy doing, but this just ended up being like a really simple guitar led song and just guitar and vocals. And 
I think it has worked really beautifully with the vocal harmonies that have been added to it and uh, the way it builds throughout the song as well. And uh, it, it surprised me when I was thinking, oh, do I need to add anything to it? And I was thinking, actually, I don't. And and I think there was a bit of self-assurance in that as well, because I think especially when you're building your skills, sometimes you feel like you need to add and add and add to, to create a, a song of some weight. But um actually realizing maybe it's just having some simple ideas uh, that are strong uh, is all you need can make you uh, feel more confident in your skills as well. Uh, some, some beautiful kind of backstories there as well. I'm going to listen to those with that extra context. And thank you so much for sharing those kind of personal moments. And uh, my own contribution to our playlist this episode is a theme that's really just been written like the subtitle to everything that we've been talking about, which is R-E-S-P-E-C-T uh, by the great Aretha Franklin, the Queen of Soul. Uh, let's all respect each other. Let's help each other. Let's look out for BS and call it when we see it. And men listening, let's be champions for the women in the industry and make things more equitable, fairer, and it can only be a good thing for the industry, for the future, for diversity, for sustainability, for everything. What's not to like? Okay. Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. Zylo Aria. Thank you so much, Ashina. It's been an absolute pleasure. Fabulous. Thank you. Uh, listeners, don't forget to subscribe, comment and share Audio Talks with your friends and family. If you're enjoying the Audio Talks series of podcasts, why not pop over to Apple Podcasts, Spotify or wherever you get your favourite podcasts and leave a glowing review. It really does mean a lot and it helps new listeners get to know about the amazing guests we talk to in every episode like Zyno. In the meantime, for more exclusive content, some behind the scenes goodies and maybe even some comments competitions do feel free to connect with us over on the instagram you can find us at audio talks podcast we'll be back soon for some more awesome audio talks see you next time